You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. The games are underway and DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo and offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. That's up to $50,000 up for grabs. And the best part is that it's free to play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's events and track your results throughout the evening to see if you'll achieve a victory. Questions will range from medal count to questions specific to the USA team. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Welcome to your Canadian's Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 148 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined, as always, in studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing on this fine Saturday? I'm doing well. We are... On the last day of July. Last day of July. Last day of July, um, heading into August. Uh, just going to be a, a, a very short month. It's going to go by quickly, mm-hmm. I, I think. And then we'll be into rookie camps and uh, NHL training camps. And, and the excitement begins all over again. All that fun stuff is just right around the corner. Yeah, and I mean, especially with the way that this offseason has happened, Rick, it's it's all very close together. And yeah, I don't think that it's going to be uh, too terribly long. Uh, it won't be a long time and we'll be back with rookie camp, with training camp, with all that fun stuff. And Rick, uh, last night, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking about this, Rick, because okay. the Blue Jays last night, right, they returned back to Toronto and 
the way that the, what that necessary what that means for pro sports in North America, the traveling between borders that's going to be coming back into effect, and you have a team in Toronto playing in a league that has only one Canadian team, all the other ones American. You have that team finally back playing sports in Canada. And it was just it was just a tremendous night last night, Rick. And it, it, it started to feel like normalcy was setting back in. And that's what's going to need to happen for all the sports fans, especially NHL fans, because it's not going to be a Canadian division next year. It's going to be all back and forth to what we've become accustomed to over the last few years with the Atlantic division and all of that. So last night was was tremendous for the Blue Jays and tremendous for sports fans, I think. I think so too, and and uh, on the occasion, I decided to uh, I see, get yeah. my Blue Jays hat out and, and wear it for, <laughs> for the show. The Blue Jays finally migrated back home. Yes, um, finally, finally, and uh, but as you said, it's um, it, it it's there's 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 discussions, there's talk that uh, uh, the border may be open for uh, regular folks as well, and and mm-hmm. uh, and certainly for. Uh, uh, sports teams and and uh, hopefully as long as uh, you know we can get this uh, uh, Delta variant under under um, control and and people be a little bit responsible I think that uh, we can ease back into uh, a more regular sports year than uh, we've had uh, in the past in well over the last 18 months or so here's hoping here's certainly hoping for that but yeah last night was a nice little Nice little return to some normalcy. Only 15,000 in Rogers Center, but they sounded like a lot more than that. Actually, I think it was just shy of 15,000. might have been like 13,000, but they sound, uh, but they were incredibly loud. And uh, it was great to see the Blue Jays back in the Dome. Uh, but Rick, uh, this has been quite the week, not just for the Blue Jays, but in the NHL and for the Montreal Canadiens. And Rick, every week or every day, I should say, of the week, over at allhabs.net, there are Habs headlines articles that are being put out talking about changes that have been made, possible changes to the roster, and uh, those have been coming out, as I said. You have Chris's notepad on Monday and then Tuesday through Friday, Habs headlines articles uh, talking about the moves and the expected moves for the Montreal Canadiens. It's the summer. You're busy. You don't have time to... to Go to a lot of different uh, information sources to to you know stay on Twitter all all day. So um, there's one stop. It's it's allhabs.net. First thing in the morning, uh, there's a Habs headlines uh, post, and uh, it's it's just headlines of all the articles that you need to uh, you need to know. Uh, and takes it's a, a quick read, just a capsule of of information. You read it, you take it away, you're you're prepared. And so that when the training camps arrive in September, you're not caught, caught off guard by all of these stories yeah. that happen <laughs> um, that you've uh, you've been able to keep up. It takes no time at all. Uh, so uh, as you said, Habs Notepad comes out on on Monday, and and Chris kind of capsulizes what happens over the weekend, and then every weekday, uh, it's uh, every other weekday, it's Habs headlines uh, for you to uh, keep your abreast of of everything that's going on in Planet Habs. Absolutely. Is and it yeah, in Planet the, Habs or on Planet Habs? I, uh, I think it's on Planet I think Habs. Yeah, on Habs. Yeah, yeah. On, but in works. In works. I think you're good either way. <laughs> but moving on, Rick, um, to some news um, that, that Habs fans will need to know, and it's injury news. Excuse me. Uh, Paul Byron uh, underwent 
hip surgery earlier this week, and the recovery time is expected to be five months. So that is a guy that, Rick, we talked about the way that Paul Byron was playing. You saw some perhaps of, of his of his best hockey in a while in the playoffs, and uh, now the Canadians expected to be without Paul Byron for uh, the the very start of the season up until you know mid season. This is a this is not something that perhaps fans anticipated. So a, a tough loss there for Paul Byron. Really tough loss, um, but uh, good that uh, that he gets this done. Um, Absolutely in the off season, yeah. um, hip uh, issues bothering him. Went to uh, New York, uh, New York City, got the surgery. Um, and so, you know, in and around uh, the end of December, beginning of January, um, they expect him to fully recover and he should be eligible to return to the lineup uh, if all goes well. Yeah, so hoping for a speedy recovery for Paul Byron, as speedy as he is. Uh, hopefully that's the type of recovery that he gets. But uh, moving on, Rick, uh, some qualifying offers that have been distributed to the Montreal Canadiens' restricted free agents, including Yusperi Kotkaniemi, Archery Lekkinen, Michael Pozzetta, Ryan Paling, Otto Leskinen, and Michael McNiven. Yeah, the, this is um, this is kind of expected. Uh, the qualifying offers uh, kind of a starting point and to maintain uh, the rights of these restricted free agents, and then we'll we'll start seeing these pop out that uh, they've they've come to an agreement uh, on a number. But these this is uh, uh, the the starting point, um, I guess. Um, uh, there are uh, Otto Leskinen is is on this list, um, but Otto Leskinen is is not uh, expected back. Uh, he signed mm-hmm. a two year deal with Jokerit, uh, but in doing the qualifying offer, the Canadians uh, are protecting his rights. Uh, Joseph Blandisi is um, is someone um, who did not receive a qualifying offer, uh, became a, a, an unrestricted free agent. Um, uh, Jacob Lucchini uh, didn't receive a qualifying offer, uh, but he signed a, a one-year, one-way AHL contract with Laval back on July 16th. So um, they dealt with him in a, in a different way. Um, but otherwise, um, I think that the obviously the, the folks that on the list that we are going to have the most interest of in is uh, our uh, Jesperi Kakinami, our Terry Lekkinen, and uh, Ryan Paling. Yeah, those are the the familiar names there. So we'll keep an eye out on what happens with those guys. Uh, Rick, one signing, one guy that we don't have to keep an eye out anymore. It's been dealt with. The Montreal Canadiens came to an agreement with him. Uh, That was Yoel Armia, a four-year contract extension. So, Rick, uh, somebody that was expected to have a lot of interest in him, and the Montreal Canadiens got him with a four-year contract. Good signing. Um, he was set to be a, an unrestricted free agent. Uh, they get him locked up, uh, three point four million uh, for yeah. four years, um, and uh, he had seven goals, seven assists, fourteen points in forty-one regular season games. But his value uh, really came out in the um, um, in the playoffs. Uh, that fourth line that was so effective with Corey Perry and Eric Stahl. Uh, Armia is is um, is a is a mid six uh, winger, um, excellent uh, defensively, excellent on the penalty kill. Uses his size. Uh, he's a clutch goal scorer. He's a possession yeah. guy. 
um, a, a, a valuable piece uh, and uh, nice to have him locked up. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is somebody that, as you said, provided a lot of uh, valuable play in the playoffs and somebody that all over the ice you can rely on. And yes, that big body, that big frame is something that the Canadians uh, certainly love. And uh, that's that's great to have back in the fold for another four years. Um, so, Rick, uh, in other news surrounding the Canadians, uh, they appointed a goaltenders coach um, and it was Eric Raymond. And um, Rick, this was a little bit of a um, not, not something that was unexpected because we had heard that, you know, Sean Burke was was not going to be you know, the goalie coach on the ice. He was just going to be the head of that sort of department. So the Canadians were going to presumably appoint a goalie coach, but this wasn't necessarily the guy that I think many expected to be that goalie coach. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and as you said, there's uh, uh, some moving parts here. Uh, yeah. Sean Burke, um, when, when um, uh, um, Stefan... Why can't and I remember? Stefan Wait. Stefan Wait. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Stefan. <laughs> Stefan Wait uh, was fired. Then uh, Mark Bergevin went to Sean Burke and said, mm-hmm. um, uh, "We'd like you in a in an overarching kind of role, uh, a director of goaltending. The the kinds of things they're doing elsewhere, particularly Florida, um, and uh, and then work with uh, a goalie coach. And uh, but for the time being." Um, there was a pressing need, and and uh, Sean Burke kind of took over the goal, the duties of a goalie coach, as well. But there was always that intention to bring in someone else. Um, now, at his year-end uh, presser, Mark Bergevin said that was still yet to be worked out. How, you know, Sean Burke is in Arizona. Would he would he relocate? Would he work from there? And uh, Eric Raymond, when he was asked about the, the situation and he said, uh, listen, I was just hired. <laughs> Don't ask me. This is yeah. all new to me. Um, there's going to be some discussions over the next couple of weeks, but I can't really elaborate on on uh, the structure. Uh, but it's expected that Sean Burke is going to be the director of goaltending. Uh, Eric Raymond will be the on-ice guy, the goalie coach. Uh, but as you said, just a very unusual, um, uh, given his resume, um, mm-hmm. uh, he's, you know, he worked with Halifax Mooseheads, worked with, uh, more, more recently, the Hartford Wolfpack, but just not necessarily, given the stature of, of uh, a Carey Price, you might want to bring in someone who um, would, would, I don't know, uh, would, would have a bit of, uh, uh, of more experience, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. to be able to relate. Um, this hire, it seems, obviously there's a, there's a connection there with Dom uh, Ducharme. They worked uh, together with Halifax. They worked very well together. Um, but in, in a situation with goaltenders, and, and Eric said it about, I want to put my goaltenders in a bubble. I, I want us to, to, to work as a group and not necessarily with the, with the others. Um, in that situation, you want a guy who's comfortable with the goaltenders, not necessarily comfortable with the head coach, where that seemed to be the priority here. So um, we'll see how it works out. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, just a, a bit of an odd choice there. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you're talking about hiring a goaltender coach and you're talking about the fact that the Montreal Canadiens have Carey Price, I mean, I think it, it's reasonable to say that you might want somebody that has had you know more um has had a a better 
uh, more experience, I guess, and and formed a rapport with NHL goaltenders, and that's just not on his resume. So that's something that we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, a little bit of a of a head scratcher there. But we'll see how this works. Um, so Rick, usually this spot we would have our Habs prospect report, but that will be back uh, next week. We're going to take a week off, but be sure to go over to, and then check out the content at ahl.report and listen and subscribe to the Press Zone Montreal podcast and a great Press Zone this past week with uh, with some great interviews. Joe Yurden on the show. That was fantastic. So uh, it was, it was yeah, a great listen and something that you're going to want to check out and make sure that you're subscribed to. Russ Cohen, uh, yeah. a wealth of knowledge with respect to prospects, as you mentioned, Joe Yurden. Um, and uh, and and he has the his finger on the pulse in Buffalo, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it was a great interview. Go t- uh, take a look for the Press Zone um, uh, Montreal. Actually, it was uh, a combined Press Zone Montreal and Philadelphia last yeah. week. Yeah. Um, and uh, and we got a pretty. We'll, we'll talk about in the third segment. We'll mm-hmm. tee up the uh, the guests that that uh, we'll have on the Press Zone next week. Uh, and I think we'll, we'll be talking a little bit more. Um, about this very odd, there is a, 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 a feature interview of uh, Canadian's prospect, uh, Dmitry Kostenko. Uh, Kostenko uh, taken uh, in the most uh, recent draft with pick number 87. And uh, the headline on the, on the piece in, uh, in the Russian publication was, um, was a quote from uh, Kostenko said, um, I was immediately told to learn French. Uh, which has kind of raised some eyebrows. So we'll be talking mm-hmm. about that. Um, the question was, um, you know, how good your English? And he said, English. Um, I was told to learn French immediately. Uh, that's that's odd. That's an odd thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. we'll probably be diving into that on uh, on the press zone, Montreal on uh, Tuesday. Yeah, and you mentioned that Joe Yurden has his finger on the pulse in Buffalo. Is there anything going on in Buffalo? <laughs> uh, it doesn't. They're not in the. I, I haven't seen anything about Buffalo. Boy, the sparring <laughs> that's going on there, and, and uh, media releases. Oh my! Yeah, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is definitely a story uh, with Jack Eichel. But Rick, uh, we'll, we'll move on, and uh, perhaps we might come back to that later. But uh, Rick, the the continued fallout of uh, the Canadian selection, their first round selection of Logan Mayu. Uh, and, and this week we saw uh, sponsors raising their concern, which, I mean, that is something that you, you typically see when an organization makes a controversial decision like the Canadians have here. So that isn't necessarily out of the ordinary, but then in the aftermath of that, so you get a statement from Jeff Molson and, and from Gary Bettman as well. So just a, a long sort of a continued fallout from this election, which isn't necessarily surprising. Yeah, it was uh, quite a, a week, and and I think that um, the, the Canadians have been criticized throughout not not only not only with respect to the the choice, but uh, with the way they've handled this. Um, and Jeff Molson, owner Jeff Molson, had kept quiet for um, several days. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, then he released a, a, an email or a letter. I guess he called it a letter. Yeah. And um, um, free agency opened at noon yeah. on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Immediately uh, from the Canadians' uh, account and from uh, reporters, there was five, five uh, signings um, 
from the Montreal Canadiens, including a, a couple of two-way contracts. Um, there was five that came out of the pipeline, and the sixth um, release or the was Jeff Molson's uh, letter uh, about the 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 first round pick. Which and and the the chaos that was happening. There was so many. Uh, not only the Montreal Canadiens, but there was across the, the league. league. The yeah. first thirty minutes was was really busy. Um, A whirlwind, yeah. And the Canadians tried to slip in. Obviously, it it, it couldn't have been more obvious. Tried to slip mm-hmm. this uh, uh, this letter through, and boy, that was a bad look. That um, that that they would do that. That the timing was obviously. Um, yeah, met with some criticism, and then, if that wasn't bad enough, um, Jeff Molson uh, had had uh, a media availability, uh, but it was a private event. Uh, handpicked seven handpicked media members, who obviously are are the folks who are the most friendly, that 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 uh, are are the least controversial. Uh, mm-hmm. that won't ask the difficult questions uh, were invited to uh, this media availability. And again, um, there was just a bad, bad... And and then uh, Mark Bergevin came out later in the day to talk about the, the free agent signings. And at that point, he said, uh, Jeff's spoken. I'm not going to say any more about it. Um, our, our, uh, the, the mantra now is our actions will be... Um, uh, louder, louder, yeah. That yeah. that then 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 the words and 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 you know I applaud that to a certain extent, mm-hmm. um, but uh, the whole look was it was it was the the Canadians for having such a you know um, uh, a, a, a media uh, department and and a media machine. Um, I don't know that they thought this one through. Uh, very carefully. Yeah, and I think our, our friend and colleague Amy Johnson said it better than than I could ever hope to, which is the timing of the release of that statement says more than the contents of the statement. And yeah. that is absolutely true. They tried to sneak this in on the busiest day of the NHL calendar, the one that is going to have the most news-grabbing headlines, and it it rightly was called out as being a statement that was released at a very specific time. They picked their they picked their moment. They knew when they were going to do this, and they did it at that moment. And yeah, and so so Rick, I, I believe though we do have uh, from that private media event that you talked about with the handpicked members of the media, we do have some audio, uh, including a Jeff Molson uh, is, issuing an apology. I wanted to say that um, uh, our our decision to draft Logan. Um, was a very offensive one to so many of our fans and so many people across communities, uh, especially in the hockey community, but all communities. And uh, on behalf of the Montreal Canadiens, I just wanted to, to apologize to all uh, for that. Apolog- apologizing for the, the pick. Apologizing um, for for selecting this young man. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it strikes me... Um, I, I, yeah, you have to wonder what happens next after you apologize. You're, you're saying this was wrong of us to do, and we're sorry we did it. But the kid's there. The kid's part mm-hmm. of the organization. Um, 
it strikes me of uh, Cunningworth. Uh, remember when that happened? Yeah. Um, a logical uh, and absolutely a hockey move to make uh, when Jacques Martin was fired, and you moved Cunningworth, who who was the the heir apparent into that position, uh, unilingual uh, anglophone, um, and uh, and then a few weeks later you come out and say. We're so, so sorry we hired him. Um, we're so sorry we promoted him. Um, and, and what happened after that? Cunningworth had no respect. Cunningworth yeah. had no respect in the room. That season, which the Canadians were in a playoff position at that point, spiraled out of control. Um, the, the, the locker room was in chaos. There were different factions. Famously, P.K. Subban... Um, uh, when Cunningworth uh, was telling him, no, I want you to do this. I want said, you have no authority here. You're not going to be, you're not my coach. Uh, The owner, it doesn't support you. So I don't have to do what you say. Um, That was, that was a horrible decision. Again, uh, last year in the bubble, apologizing for the appointment of Kirk Muller. What else were they going to do? Um, Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Claude Julien with the the, heart, the the medical condition and then of mm-hmm. course you put the uh, associate coach in uh, but undermined uh, Kirk Muller uh, the media was really hostile after that to Kirk Muller um, and then Kirk Muller didn't return uh, this is this is not a good look for um, for Jeff Molson yeah yeah, it's just, and I mean, yeah, between the statement that was released immediately after the selection was made, the Canadians had a statement prepped for immediately after the selection was made, then sneaking in another statement from Jeff Molson right as free agency began. This is just across the board, not been a good look. And, it, you know, it continues with, with Jeff Molson with, with more audio. If I've learned anything that I already knew, but I've really learned it in this process is that the Montreal Canadiens are much more than a hockey team. And I've always known that I've been at the head of it for 12 years and I've always respected. And I feel like I let down my guard on this one situation and we're going to fix it. Uh, he's the owner and CEO of uh, a billion dollar company. Um, and do, did you understand any of that? Uh, I learned something I already knew, but I really mm-hmm. learned it. Um, yeah. My goodness. Uh, the, he said he's been in the head of it for 12 years. His family has been, it, it, with respect to the Canadian, it's been decades. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and and to be honest, this this whole business about we're, we're more than a hockey team. Um. No, you're not. You're a hockey team, <laughs> mm-hmm. and 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 companies that do that, that say that that um, that dilute their their prime mission, uh, and 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 start piling on other priorities away from their primary mission, then then it it happens that they don't do their primary mi- mission very well. Um, I'm sorry, but Ferrari, McLaren. Their 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 um, uh, motor car racing. That's what they mm-hmm. do. That's what they do. McDonald's is 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 fast food. Uh, they do it exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't go around saying we're much more than 
than a racing team. We're much more than, than, than fast food. Um, because you open the door to say to all kinds of advocacy groups and to say, you know, we're not getting any attention, but look at the, look at the place that, that the Canadians have. We can, we can, we can glom on to that and uh, we can get a piece of that. And then you start getting pulled in every different direction and away from your primary mission and you don't do it very well. I, I, the whole, the, the, the way he's, he spoke, um, the inarticulate way he spoke, and then opening the door uh, to get pulled in every direction, I thought that was really poorly said. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was just sort of a, a clumsy way of talking there. But then, so, to then say that he did not know the, rip, the repercussions, that he did not know that this was going to be the reaction uh, up at the draft table, um, the, uh, the, the oppression that we had, um, in fact, the facts that we had were that uh, he was going to be drafted and, um, uh, by somebody uh, in the second round. And uh, it was an error in judgment. And um, if I had known uh, the repercussions to the greater community beyond just the Montreal Canadiens and our fans, um, I think I probably would have, uh, I, I wasn't at the draft table, but I probably would have, um, I probably would have avoided that situation. Avoided the situation? How do you do that? You veto the pick? Is that what you're saying? Uh, are you throwing Mark Bergevin under the bus here? Uh, it sure seems so. That, um, and listen, he's, he's acting as if, um, as if, well, this just kind of came up at the draft table. They went their own way. They made their decision. If I had been there, it, things would have been different. Uh, this choice, as we know now, sat on um, on uh, Jeff Molson's desk for two weeks. He knew. He fully knew, uh, and mm-hmm. he could have, uh, if if he thought it was such an error in judgment, uh, he could have done something about it at any time in those in those two weeks. Um, and and he correctly says um, that that uh, Logan May was was going to be picked that night. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, either that, that night or the next the day, he was going yeah. to be picked. Uh, and and uh, there was multiple teams that would have taken him in the second round. Um, so I, hmm, I I don't know this. Uh, I I really thought that this was a a very difficult, even though, um, you know, he had the folks in around him asking the questions that, uh, that he wanted. Um, It was, uh, it, as you, the word you said was clumsy. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was a very difficult uh, uh, media availability. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of, you know, guys that could have had a say to do, to stop this from happening, uh, Gary Bettman, also spoke about this pick. It was doing some damage control uh, surrounding the reaction of this pick. What was the commissioner's reaction? Uh, I, w- I was shocked, to say the least, uh, particularly because the player in question had requested not to be drafted. Uh, what he did uh, was horrible and inexcusable. And as a... Uh, father and grandfather of daughters and granddaughters, I was appalled. I I think it's clear that the Canadians have now acknowledged that they've made a mistake. And so the question is how you go forward. There's no mechanism for a player to take himself 
out of the draft. And so there isn't that. Uh, and what the Canadians have said is they're not ready to sign him. He's not going to training camp. He's not going to rookie camp. They're going to evaluate his process as they try to move forward uh, and to see what makes sense for them and him in the future. From a league standpoint, uh, if and when uh, they think it may be an appropriate time to come into the league, then we'll take a look at it from our standpoint to see whether or not we agree with that assessment. Out of anybody's statement, um, Gary Bettman's probably angered me the most. Um, I thought that was despicable. Um, for him to say he was shocked, um, it means the commissioner is completely out of touch because um, the commissioner should know um, know about the controversial situation and should know that he was going to be picked. Jeff Molson knew, um, and, and the commissioner mm-hmm. um, should have known. Uh, so him uh, retreating and saying, listen, I was just a dad in all of this. No, you're not. Gary, you're the commissioner of the, the National Hockey League, yeah. and if you um, wanted something to be done about it, you could have done something about it. And if yeah. that meant involving the, the PA or, or whoever, you could have done something about it. Um, so to, to say that you were shocked, to say that... Um, Boy, this the you know uh, the Canadians made a mistake because he had asked you know he had asked not to be drafted. All of this is is uh, theater, um, and it's it's cowardly theater, um, and it's it's um, you know two very powerful uh, men behind multi billion dollar businesses using uh, an eighteen year old kid as a shield, and uh, it's it's despicable. Um, Gary Bettman, he, he mentioned his daughters. He also has a son and, and, uh, I don't think that he would want his son subjected to all of the kinds of, um, uh, well, some of the, the, the talk has been very vicious. Um, it, it's, 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 it's difficult to listen to. Um, I, I, all of these extra things. No, he won't uh, participate in training camp, and no, he won't participate in in rookie camp. That's probably a good thing. Good thing for Logan as well. It it, mm-hmm. it takes away from um, his uh, his experience, but it would have been a, a circus. Um, but uh, and and he won't be signed for the time being. Uh, but uh, Gary's saying, I thought it was odd that that Gary's saying. Even after the Canadians, if they do their due diligence and, and Logan, uh, you know, does what he needs to do, we're gonna we're gonna reevaluate it and may have additional hoops for him to go through. I, I, all of this is is really quite distasteful. I think. Yeah, I mean, it just for me, it goes back to if you know all of the things that Gary Bettman said were things that in the immediate aftermath of the selection were things that that you know internally our rocket sports media team these were things that we were saying these were things that we were feeling um and the issue that i have here is yes as the commissioner of the league he can feel those things he also has the power presumably to do something to ensure that he is not selected if he believes that logan mayu's wishes to not be selected or his request to not being selected is valid then yes he does not logan mayu does not have the power to say that we understand that we've heard that Gary Bettman does he could have done something if he feels that strongly about it that could have been a situation that's in, uh, avoided entirely and that's that's a, a bit of a disappointing part of that 
Um, so, Rick, all all of this continued this is difficult fallout. to talk yeah. about, and and yeah. yes, continued fall fallout. Um, it's difficult for us to talk about. We we're trying to uh, present things objectively. We're trying to pull back uh, our emotions, and um, which we did last week. And and if if you missed um, episode one forty seven. Go take a look. We've had a whole lot of feedback uh, on our um, on our episode where we went through and and uh, tried to lay out um, what what uh, had happened, what uh, is happening. Um, my hope is that um, we're 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 not going to be uh, we're not the kind of um, of uh, outlet that's going to exploit this. I think there's been a whole a whole lot that have and it's kind of ironic given that uh logan mayu was was charged with uh invasion of privacy and now uh that role has been taken on by um you know so many um in the media and 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 it's it's quite disgusting i think uh so we're gonna we're gonna uh, unless there's any other major events we're kind of going to step back from this a bit and uh, and 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 give the parties the the time they need to to uh, work things out. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Rick, we'll we'll move on and get to some NHL news and notes. Um, and, and Rick, so of course, free agency began on Wednesday, as we talked about, and uh, it's been busy. Uh, lots of trades, lots of free agent signings, and um. Rick, I think the one thing that's been the most staggering has just sort of been the carousel <laughs> with respect to goaltenders uh, moving around. And that has been, uh, I think, the most evident uh, in uh, Carolina, who just completely just the, their tandem that they've used. I mean, well, I guess three guys that they used with Mrazek, Reimer and Nadelkovich, all three of them gone from a team over the last three years has been, you know, a very competitive, solid team. And they've just completely changed course with respect to their goaltending. And, you know, it's it's extended to other teams as well. But but that to me was uh, the biggest example of, of what has been a very interesting offseason. I agree with you 100%. And 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 uh is what a great move and an, another great move yeah. from uh Steve Eiserman in Detroit. Um Nedeljkovic, Expect anything different? <laughs> well, really. Um the, the thing about Carolina is um it, it's funny when you look back at um you look back I think it goes the, the the research I saw goes back to I think it's 2012 2013 uh, Stanley Cup winners um, they've done it with homegrown goalies um, and and um, it, it's 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 really odd that um, the the way Carolina's uh, has acted with Nadelkovich. Um, he, he was a real find and, and, and he spent his time in, in the AHL. Um, yeah, I, I don't understand that. Um, th- I, sad to say, uh, I, it hurts to say, I think the Bruins got, uh, a great deal. They, um, yeah. Prying, uh, Linus Allmark out, out of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a really good pickup with Rask on the shelf for, for most of the year. Um, and Halak, uh, cheap contract, I think is one point five million to to Vancouver. Yeah. Um, uh, the Avalanche forced into to a situation with Grubauer yeah. going to Seattle. Uh, they they pick up Kemper and and had to pay, you know, uh, with Connor Timmins and a first rounder there. Um, 
the one that's kind of bizarre to me is Martin Jones going to Philadelphia. To Philadelphia. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. 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 Isn't I was that gonna say odd? the same thing? Yeah. Like if Carter, yeah. if Carter uh, Hart um, shows any kind of struggle um, next year, is it Martin Jones that you want to rely on? Um, yeah. He's been, I, I mean, with all the promise he had, and he's been remarkably consistent over the last three years with a. 898, 895, say percentage, something like that. Yeah. Um, the the flurry to Chicago is bizarre. Now they have to try and convince him. Um, hoping to the stars. Uh, that I don't. I have no confidence in the in the Leafs. Uh, their goaltending. Yeah. Um, uh, Elliot to Tampa is probably a good move. Uh, 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 what about Winnipeg? Uh, Eric Comrie, who comes back to the organization, but uh, Connor Halibut is playing, what, 70 games, 75 yeah. games with Eric Comrie there. Um, Carolina gets Freddie Anderson. I'd, this is bizarre how all of these different moves are, and, and um, it, it's it's just wild, the, the goaltending carousel, as you described it. Yeah, it's it's been pretty uh, remarkable to watch. And Rick, I think... You know, if we can get into some sort of winners and losers out of all of this, and it'll be a continuation of a conversation. For me, if I'm going to say, if I'll start positive, Columbus had a hard job to do this offseason, and I think they've done it about as uh, the best that they could. I think they've done a really nice job here. They got a nice package in return for Seth Jones. They re-upped with Zach Wawrenski, and, and they get a little bit of stability there. Somebody that's been in the organization that's going to be sticking around. I like the pickup of Jake Bean, and, and that kind of leads into my loser, which is Carolina. And, and that's without getting into the Tony D'Angelo situation. But the goaltending situation we just discussed, uh, I, I, I cannot, and, and it's nothing against, you know, Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta are solid if not capable goaltenders they're 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 nice they're you know they can they can get you through a season but i just don't know why they would feel comfortable unless something comes out that we don't know at this current moment in time i i cannot understand the decision with nadelkovic it just yeah. it doesn't make any sense doesn't. it's it's your goaltender of the present and future and um homegrown guy like I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> no, it, it's 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 bizarre. Um, and, and I wonder what's going to happen. Buffalo looks uh, to be a mess in goal. Uh, yeah. At one point, uh, if you went to cap friendly, they had nobody. <laughs> they had, mm-hmm. There was nobody yeah. on the roster. Uh, the interesting thing there is uh, they may get. We'll see. They may get uh, Georgiev. Um, yeah. If they can. If they can do that um is are the rangers contenders for eichel probably uh and and that might they've said that georgiev alexander georgiev who's a great prospect um uh the rangers have said he's available so we'll we'll see what happens there yeah um my winners are are um i well uh new jersey has to be a winner um yeah with uh with uh dougie hamilton um i tampa uh, to uh, to have to clear out all the the space they did and uh, still end up with a team <laughs> a competitive team um, yep. and signing Braden Point and uh, they did well Colorado 
to to you know that was tough losing uh, Grubauer, but uh, they keep Landis Cog and and um, uh, are are able to uh, to 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 add and and uh, I, I I thought that and 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 add Kemper of course um, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Pierre Lebrun said for him the winner was the Winnipeg Jets, and it's funny because the Jets did nothing in free; they didn't add a free agent. No, uh, it was all the trades they did to shore up their um, uh, defense and bringing in Dylan and and uh, uh, Schmidt and and they yeah. they they rather went out and surgically uh, did what they had to do. As far as losers, uh, Vegas, what a mess <laughs> they made of yeah. things, particularly with Fleury. Um, and, and Edmonton, I'm not convinced that uh, that bear trade is going to uh, pay off yeah. for them. And, and I, 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 I don't get a good feeling about uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, they, I mean, the, uh, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm a fan of Zach Hyman. Uh, that contract, years down the road. Yes. I, I don't know that that's the contract that's looking great for them. And then Cody CC, I mean, again, there's a lot of questions about secondary scoring and, and, and depth with the Edmonton Oilers and Golts. Are you going to be able, like when you look at Mike Smith, are you going to get what you got last year from Mike Smith? Because history tells you probably not in <laughs> you a know, full season what, in a full, in a full, yeah. In full 82 games. Exactly. That's another aspect of this that, you know, and for two years too, that's, uh, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Uh, but Rick, we've talked about other teams. Uh, when we, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Montreal Canadiens and their transformation that's taken place since Wednesday. So uh, we'll get into that. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net.
And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Whalen, uh, Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Whalen 19. And Hostile with me in studio here. <laughs> is uh, the editor in chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, the voice you just heard, Rick Stevens. Uh, you can follow him at All Habs on Twitter, and you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. And again, this is Rocket Sports <laughs> Radio, not Whalen. Uh-huh. <laughs> but Rick, so uh, we have free agency that we are we are now in the thick of it. We are in the free agency period. It's the off season. It's the wild, wild west. Everything is happening. Uh, you've got signings all over the place. And the Montreal Canadiens were in, a, in an interesting spot because they had to address some... Uh, some injuries um, and some shortcomings on the roster as well. But primarily when you looked at what the Canadians, what was on their to-do list, it started with Shea Weber because we know what the story is with Shea Weber. He's not going to play this year. He is likely not going to play again at this juncture. We, you know, maybe things change, but at, at this moment in time, it doesn't look like Shea Weber is walking back through that door to play on the right side for the Canadians. So that is where, you know, you had the sort of emphasis entering free agency. You had the Paul Byron news now that came out. So the Canadians, they might need to load up on some wingers. So with that, Rick, in addition to some of the deficiencies on the roster, the Montreal Canadiens had a very hard job to try to find someone to eat up the minutes that Shea Weber was playing and also get some nice little value pickups as well. And I think when we get into it, uh, they've, they've done a pretty fine job of that. It's, it's tough because there's so many aspects to, um, Shea Weber's game that, um, you, you may not appreciate till it's gone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's the, the minutes, there's the, uh, physical play, uh, Mm -hmm. in front of the net. Uh, there's, there's the power play aspect there's uh the leadership aspect uh that's a whole lot to try and and um fill and and as as uh, uh mark bergevin said uh it's it's impossible to replace and certainly impossible to replace uh with one with one signing or one trade yes yeah um so there's there's um but there's all of those uh, aspects that have to be dealt with and um, with these injury issues, with with people moving on, uh, Mark Bergevin, you can see um, how the signings that he's made, uh, he's filling holes. He's this yeah. person will take this duty, this per- and we really haven't got to. I don't think um, you mentioned shortcomings. I don't think he's really got there yet. Um, yeah, with possible exception of of the power play. Um, yeah. But you have, uh, yes, you have Weber out next season at minimum. You have Byron missing half the year. You have uh, Phil Deneau uh, signing with um, uh, the LA Kings. And I, mm-hmm. aside, I think uh, Phil Deneau's for an eye opening there. He didn't like uh, losing uh, his role and minutes to the younger players, the younger centers. Um, in Montreal, who's got a better uh, group of centers coming up with Byfield and Turcotte and Gallardi and, and, um, and anyway, just, just that, that's just a, a, and already having Anze Kopitar and Kopitar. Yeah. So, I mean, you have the, the pecking order is there and then this, 
yeah, it's it's going to be yeah. <laughs> um, Corey Perry to Tampa Bay. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, can't beat him. You join him is obviously the yeah. phrase there. The last two years with <laughs> Dallas and Montreal. Um, and and some f- uh, fans were um, critical of Perry. He's a traitor. Yeah. He said he wanted to stay. Why isn't he staying? Um, Mark Bergevin refused to give him. He wanted stability. He's been. He talked about being away from his family uh, in Montreal. He was willing to do it in a proven contract this year, uh, but uh, he wanted some stability. He wanted two years. Um, and uh, Mark Bergevin would not give him two years. Tampa did, uh, so he signed with Tampa. Uh, Charlie Lindgren, very happy for Charlie going to uh, St. Yeah. Louis. Uh, John Merrill in Minnesota. Um, Houdon, Charlie uh, Houdon went yeah. to uh, Tampa. Uh, Jordan Wheel uh, to the KHL. We talked about Olsen uh, with uh, Jokerit. Um and uh, sorry, that was Leskinen uh, with Jokerit. Yeah. Um, and then there's there's folks that just aren't going to return. Uh, we know they haven't been signed yet, but we know they're not coming back. Whether it's uh, Michael Froelich, uh Gustafson, Eric Stahl, Thomas Tatar. Apparently, Leafs are interested in you know, a little bit in mm. in Thomas Tatar and uh, Blandizi, who we talked about earlier. So. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of folks going out and uh, and and those uh, holes have to be filled. Yeah. So, what are who are the guys that are going to be filling uh, those holes? Uh, and that gets uh, leads to a pretty interesting conversation here because Rick, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, their most recent signing, uh, they signed forward Matthew Perot to a one year contract, uh, nine hundred fifty thousand dollars. So. The Montreal Canadiens getting a 33-year-old veteran forward has experience playing the wing and at center ice, which I think provides them with some nice versatility there. Had some nice years in Winnipeg, and uh, for, you know, what they're getting him at, less than a a million dollars, not a bad little pickup there for Matthew Perot. Matthew Perot was a very popular player in in, uh, Winnipeg. Uh, got that kind of infectious smile, and you see the Canadians. One thing, he's he's in the neighborhood, but the other thing is the he, the Canadians are uh, really putting out a lot with respect to um, Matthew Perot trying trying on a Canadians jersey and mm-hmm. and yeah. getting his gear bag and and all of that. They're uh, they're really pumping the tires on this one. Uh, Perot is uh, primarily now a left winger, and for the last several years, uh, Paul Maurice has has played him on the wing. Uh, of course, um, he he has some experience at center, as you mentioned, and that was that came up with Dom Ducharme, and it was uh, Perot was asked, "Are you interested? Can you still play center?" And and Perot said, "Well, listen, I'll give it a try." The issue there is, and he talked about this in his media availability, is when he was playing center in Winnipeg, um, he had back issues uh, from faceoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it 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 he he just couldn't perform uh, anymore. So Paul Maurice moved him to the wing. He had a home there. Uh, the back issues subsided. So uh, he said he's willing to give it a try, but he doesn't know how his back is going to respond. I wouldn't count on him uh, yeah. being a center, and and he's been away from it for so long, and and has to get his uh, his face off chops back if that's where they're going to place him. Hmm. So speaking of face-off chops, Rick, uh, with that in mind, uh, the Canadians also signed uh, Cedric Paquette to a one-year contract, identical in terms of monetary value, $950,000. So 
again, a, uh, somebody with a, with a popular name in, uh, in the area in, in Quebec and somebody that has got more of a history of being good in the face-off circle. 27. Um, he split time with both Ottawa and, and Carolina last year. And, it, you know, mm-hmm. he, he fully admitted um, it was tough. It was really tough getting, um, uh, having to leave uh, Tampa. Uh, yeah. He enjoyed it there and, um, and he didn't react well. He didn't play well last season in either stop. Um, and, uh, you know, yes, he's, he uh, can play the wing. He, he'll, uh, uh, help you defensively. There's not a lot of offense there, but I expect that um, he'll he'll be a help on the on the penalty kill and and certainly uh, the defensive responsibilities that uh, Phil Deneau uh, had. I, I think we we should mention that uh, Phil Deneau played a lot on uh, the penalty kill, but his underlying penalty kill numbers were not good. His uh, face-off numbers on the penalty kill were not good. Um, so uh, this is a, a place where you can bring a, a player like this in, has some experience in a defensive role, and is certainly going to be much cheaper um, and, yeah. and much more cost-effective uh, way to do things. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Rick, moving to one that was um, was sort of expected, it was reported on in advance, uh, it's the Canadian signing defenseman Chris Weidman to a one-year contract. And, and Rick, uh, Weidman, of course, was with the Ottawa Senators, a part of that, um, you know, the story, the Uber. The Uber scandal. Um, the Uber scandal. He was a part of that. And um, it seemed that his career um, did not recover from the involvement in that story. Um, and, and the Canadians electing to sign him here uh, and give him an opportunity. So he wanted back in the NHL, the Canadians obliged and they signed him to a one year contract uh, worth 750,000. He had 41 points in 70, um, sorry, 41 points in 59 games last season in the KHL that led all KHL defensemen. And, um, and so, you know, obviously the, the idea there is to, he can be a puck mover on the on the third pairing, uh, but he can also uh, help out on the uh, power play. Kind of a, an Eric Gustafson, except uh, uh, better defensively and and more productive. Um, there would be a bit of an upgrade there, but obviously that's that's where the Canadians see him if he can, um, you know. Uh, capitalize on what he was able to do in the, in the KHL and recover his, uh, his NHL pace. Yeah. And, and Rick, so there was that contract that was sort of being discussed and it was speculated that he would be joining the Canadians. Another contract that was speculated and sort of linked to the Canadians, another guy that was linked to the Canadians early on in the process, uh, David Savard, who they signed to a four year contract 3.5 million dollars they get him at the same aav that they have ben Sherratt and joel edmondson which is pretty interesting um, but yeah a 30 year old defenseman rick who obviously was a part of the tampa bay lightning winning the stanley cup the second stanley cup this past year he was a part of that uh just a, a solid nhl defenseman great years some really nice years in columbus um i, I like this addition for the canadians i think it makes sense and given the price, um, it's 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 a nice looking deal. 
Uh, David Savard is, um, he's going to give you shot blocking. He's going to give you defense. He's going to be mm-hmm. uh, somewhat physical. Um, yeah. So those are some of the aspects uh, of a Shea Weber that he can replace. He's not going to play the minutes. Uh, we saw in Tampa Bay that um, he looked good with uh, with Sergachev, with a, a puck mover, uh, on a third pairing, in a third pairing role. Um, and in that in that kind of environment, um, he 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 looked pretty good. Um, if the Canadians expect more from him and and place him higher in the uh, in the defensive lineup, expect more minutes out of him. Uh, that's what scares me. The other part that scares yeah. me is um, is 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 the term of of this contract. Yeah. Um, so, uh, at you know, um, in in the winner, we talked about winners and losers before we went to the break. Um, that uh, Dom Lassician at the the their analytics guy at the Athletics uh, called David Savard's uh, uh, contract uh, one of the worst um, in in free agency so far. Yeah, and, and 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 I should say David Savard for years has been kind of an analytics darling, a darling mm-hmm. of the analytics community, but they they don't like the. Uh, the the amount of the contract and the and the term. Yeah, and I mean, with with that in mind, I mean that was also a lot of the conversation surrounding Joel Edmondson heading into last season. So True. I mean, there is there is there's precedent there. But yeah, David Savardi is 30 years old. This is four year contract. It is at a you know at a reasonable AAV, but still in all, it is a four year contract for a 30 year old. So there is some risk involved there. Uh, but the Canadians, for the short term, get a guy that can play, you know, 20-ish minutes, and you can rely on him for that solid defensive play, that physicality, not to the same degree that you got from Shea Weber, of course, because as Mark Bergevin said, there is no replacing Shea Weber, but to get someone that can eat those minutes up, I think they've, they've done a pretty nice job with David Savard. You could do you could do worse. So I think that it's, it's, it's a nice signing for the short-term, long-term implications of it, might come back and and be a little bit harder to deal with. <laughs> yeah, I just found uh, the uh, the Lissition article. Um, David Savard in the overpriced depth defenseman category, uh, and just towards the end, uh, he said um, they talk about the d- declining scoring chance numbers. Uh, but he says uh, I don't think that uh, Savard's a top four defender anymore. I, I don't either, frankly. Uh, and at his age, a four-year deal carries a lot of unnecessary risk. He's already not worth $3.5 million. What's he going to be worth at age 34? Savard's best comparisons are Roman Pollock, uh, Braden Coburn, and Alexi Emelin. Yeah. Okay, so those, yeah, not not overly favorable views there for <laughs> David Savard. So we'll we'll see how things shake out with that signing. But, Rick, another signing that the Canadians made later on, on Wednesday, later in the day, uh, they signed forward Mike Hoffman to a three-year contract, uh, AAV of $4.5 million, 31-year-old forward, and, Rick, somebody who has, you know, carved out a niche for himself where he is a reliable power play guy. He's somebody that 25, 30 goals, you can probably pencil him in for somewhere around there. Only had 17 shortened season, compressed season this past year. But Rick, when you think back, and and this is what I immediately thought of was the Canadian signing Tyler Toffoli ahead of last season. I kind of thought the Canadians might be done that they might've added. They've done their business. They've added Josh Anderson, this and that. This was not a contract that 
I mean, I knew that the Canadians probably had interest in Mike Hoffman, but I still wasn't expecting it to drop that day. And when it did, I mean, that's immediately what I thought of. I mean, you had a guy last year, Tyler Toffoli, who you could reasonably pencil in for 20, 25 goals, walks away with 28 on the season. And the Canadians, you know, that's that's a really nice contract they get. And here's Mike Hoffman, a little bit older, but somebody who has that track record of, of being a proven NHL goal scorer. So the Canadians... For four point five million, three years, they get that guy. Um, I was a little surprised. You, you mentioned uh, just seventeen goals in a shortened season last year. Uh, only seven of the uh, those goals were on the power play. I expected uh, mm-hmm. to see uh, yeah. a bigger number there, and and he has uh, had a big purport, big larger proportion of, of power play goals uh, in in his past stops. Um, this is something, this is a player that Mark Bergevin has been after for a while and almost landed him just before the, the start of, uh, last season, last regular season when, uh, Mike Hoffman at the last minute signed with the St. Louis blues, the, the Canadians were in the running then. So it's not a surprise to see that, um, Mark Bergevin is, is interested in him here. The Canadians uh, had difficulty scoring goals, particularly in the playoffs, so he'll help there. And the Canadians need uh, help on the power play. And uh, certainly if, um, if you have two shooters, the caliber of Mike Hoffman and Cole Caulfield on your power play, uh, that becomes a little bit more dangerous, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Canadians, listen, without Shea Weber this season, that's the aspect of it that you talked about. Shea Weber brings that one-timer on the power play. The Canadians needed to add something to their group that would be a threat on the power play. And Cole Caulfield, right, I mean, we we didn't necessarily see him featured as, uh, as much of as a weapon as perhaps you'd like to see in the playoffs. I mean, he was obviously given opportunities, but... He didn't take as many shots really on the power play as I would have liked to see him take. Um, so until he sort of settles into that role, to have Mike Hoffman as well, I mean, that's a that's a guy that has, yeah, I mean, as you said, I mean, only seven last year, but bigger proportion in previous years of power play goals because of that one-timer, that incredibly quick release. And he can do it. It's not just a one-time. He's not a one-trick pony. He's got a quick release on his wrist shot as well. So he's somebody that can score in a couple different ways. And it, it gives the Canadians, right, like we've talked about it. This is the ultimate team for, for the Canadians. What has been their MO, right? They've always said they're going to do things by committee. Mm-hmm. And when you've only really had a legitimate 30 goal scorer as Brendan Gallagher and Brendan Gallagher is not a natural goal scorer. Brendan Gallagher goals are not highlight real goals. They are they are not the, the you know, they're front of the net deflections, all those types of things. And they're not any less because of that. But you don't have that sort of individual skill that 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 creation that comes from a guy like Toffoli that we saw this year or Cole Caulfield or Mike Hoffman, even Josh Anderson to an extent has shown prowess in his career as a goal scorer. So now it's much easier to do things by committee when it's not just, you know, Brendan Gallagher and then a couple of other guys that can score but aren't really natural goal scorers. So that's for me, I mean, looking at the power play, looking at the way that the forward lines might shake out, the Canadians, I think, they've got goal scoring spread out throughout their lineup in a more ideal way than they have in some previous years so that that's something to look at for the canadians and i think that kind of leads in to a discussion about a way too early discussion (laughs) 
about what the lineup might look like. Right. Um, and and we're, we'll get to that. I'm going to, I have three clips from, um, from mm-hmm. uh, the new, uh, um, the new Canadians. And uh, yes. let's start uh, with Matthew Perot. Yeah, well, the last time they won the Cup, I was too young to, to really remember. But uh, growing up, uh, Saku Koivu was, uh, was definitely my favorite Canadian player. Uh, just loved the way he played. He was a smaller centerman, just like I was growing up. So I kind of molded my game around what he was doing. I always loved him, so I would say Saku. <laughs> Matthew Pro says uh, Saku Koivu. Uh, I said it, he he uh, doesn't remember the last Canadians uh, cup. He would have been about five and a half years old at the time. Uh, but I thought you'd be uh, particularly interested to hear that Saku Koivu was uh, his favorite uh, player well, growing up. Well, yeah, he's, he's got good taste. I can't, <laughs> what can I say? He knows how to model who to model his game after. Um, two more. We have David Savard and then uh, Mike Hoffman. First, uh, David Savard. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he's one of the best goalie in the world for for the last decade, and you know, probably the best one in the last decade. So it's it's exciting to play in front of him. I mean, he's 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 tough to score on, that's for sure. I mean, it's uh, he's like I said, every time we played them, it's he's just he's just so good in the net. So and he's he's a third defenseman out there. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun for me to to finally play with him. And uh, like I said, I'm excited to, to be on Montreal and, and play with, in front of him and, and try to help him uh, block some shots and, and make his, his life easy. So he's talking, obviously, about Carey Price there and said that Carey Price, uh, the opportunity to play with Carey Price, to play in front of Carey Price, uh, was one of the reasons that he chose uh, to come to uh, play with the Canadians. Yeah, and that's that's been the case, right? We've heard that from a lot of guys joining the Canadians. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, Mike Hoffman and uh, and and his assessment of uh, the Canadians. Yeah, I watched uh, a lot of their games. Um, obviously, more so in the playoffs. But uh, you know, they have a very you know offensive, talented, talented group, and they play well on the back end too. So, I mean, I think they have the, the full package. Obviously, one of the best goaltenders in the world. So, you know, like I said, there's uh, a lot of a lot of positivity and uh, bright future. For, for the organization and the you know like you said the two centermans they're uh extremely skilled and obviously young and um you know still making making their way in the league but uh it seems like they're doing a, a pretty good job of it obviously getting to the finals is uh you know nothing not the easiest thing to do talked about the full package that uh he, he, his analysis included uh, a look at at all uh, areas of the lineup and and he's pr- pretty pleased with what he saw yeah, and I mean, that's uh, it's kind of similar, really, to, I mean, when you think back to Tyler Toffoli and what his, you know, reason for joining the Canadians, you watch Nick Suzuki play in the bubble, and was like, huh, kind of like to play with that guy, <laughs> you know? Right. So, I mean, so, like, that's that's the kind of thing. When you get when you go on these runs that, that, you know, people aren't expecting, they take a little deeper look at what the roster is and maybe some guys and, you know, younger guys and Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, that might draw their attention in addition to already having Carey Price, who David Savard talked about. I mean, th- there's there's a lot of reasons to want to join the Canadians, I think, and Carey Price is one of them, but there's also a young core here, and, and that might be an intriguing factor for potential uh, free agents and, and might have played a factor there. So I'm not waving at you yeah. in the studio. I yeah, have a fly uh, around my fly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We have a flies in the studio here. Yeah, um, goodness. So as you said, that brings us to um, the way too early uh, look mm-hmm. at uh, 
uh, the Habs line combinations and defense pairings. And uh, we kind of went through this exercise uh, with our Rocket Sports group um, on Slack and and uh, invited folks to uh, to to based on the roster if it if if it was uh you know if if uh it was to start today what would your what would your lineups look and and listen we had a lot of uh conversation about it and and i think that uh it's fair to say that um our contributors found this a pretty difficult exercise to do at this point yeah and part of that is because it is it is so early in the season and another part of that is there's i mean you know, when you look at what the Canadians did in the playoffs, so are you thinking that you probably continue on with the line Suzuki to Foley and Caulfield that worked in the playoffs? Are you thinking that that is going to be a line that you go forward with? Okay, if, if that is the case, what happens after that? And where does Brendan Gallagher, who's played most with Philip Deneau and Thomas Tatar, where does he slot in? There's a lot of questions about where, where you go with this roster, Rick. And, you know, for me personally, I mean, I think when you look at it, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, I think, needs to be in the top six this year. That's that's just something that, that needs to happen. He's not, you know, having him play in the middle six or even towards the fourth line, that, that cannot be the case this year. This needs to be a year where you where you give him a little bit more responsibility, and perhaps that's where Brendan Gallagher should probably be, alongside Jesperi Kotkaniemi. But there's there's options that the Canadians have here because Kotkaniemi also played pretty well with Josh Anderson. So, I mean, does that then slide Brendan Gallagher down to the third line? I mean, there's a lot of questions you can go. There's a lot of avenues you can go down, and I think that's why it's such a difficult thing at this early stage to try to project what this lineup might look like. In our group, uh, as far as that top line, um, I think it was probably one of the most uh, often picked was the uh, Suzuki on the top line flanked by Toffoli and Caulfield that had worked so well. I, I expect that Dom Ducharme will go back to to something like that. Amy Johnson mm-hmm. had uh, Toffoli, Suzuki, Caulfield, uh, ben, um, who uh, ha- uh, who does our uh, reaction videos, our Habs fan forum, Toffoli, Suzuki, Caulfield, Brian, our commissioner of um, of our uh, fantasy sports leagues, uh, Toffoli, Suzuki, Caulfield. Um, uh, the only one that went kind of in a different direction was uh, S- Sam Gerber, who uh, puts together the uh, the game previews, and he has um, Drew Ann uh, replacing Tyler Toffoli. Uh, and I think uh, for for most people, uh, Jonathan Drouin was prob- probably the most difficult to place uh, yeah. in, in the lineup, and and we saw that comment. Um, and and to be honest, I don't I don't see him I don't see him on the top line. I I uh, certainly not out of out of uh, camp. Certainly not for opening night. Um, I I I think that would send the wrong message to the team. Um, Jonathan Duran stepped away uh, prior to the playoffs starting in I, I, l- l- whatever side you're on uh, or, or whatever view you take of, of his leave. Um, I don't think that it's a good message to send the team to when he, when he comes back to immediately plop him on the first line. And, and part of that is for Jonathan Duran's sake. If, mm-hmm. if it was an issue of pressure um, that he was facing, I don't think you toss him right back into the cauldron of pressure. 
Um, I, you know, I, I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, third line is probably where you could, you could reintroduce him. Um, but I, I, it's still nagging me that, um, if you wanted to trade Jonathan Drouin, you know, we, we heard all the stories leading up to that Mark Bergevin press conference. And he, he said, uh, we heard all about, uh, the Canadians aren't, aren't really, um, including him in their plans for the upcoming year. And Jonathan Drouin doesn't want to be in Montreal anymore. We, we heard those reports over and over and over again. So when Mark Bergevin came out and in his press conference said, uh, Jonathan Drouin is uh, focused, he's ready to go, and he'll, um, you know, we'll, 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 have, we'll invite him back to training camp. The, everyone was just, how did that 180 happen? How did, yeah. how did that occur? Um, the only... The only um, way you can you can square that that those two uh, sets of diametrically opposed comments is if you're going to trade Jonathan Drouin. If you're going to trade him, the first step would be announcing that he's ready to go, and yeah. uh, because you're announcing that not to your fan base, you're announcing that to the NHL, your trade partners, your potential mm-hmm. trade partners, uh, that he's ready to go, he's focused. And uh, he'll be at training camp. That's that's the message that trading partners partners want to hear. Not saying a deal gets done by opening night, uh, but I don't think, in my own view, I don't think it's going to stretch on uh, too long. The difficulty is, what's Jonathan Duran's uh, difficulty been? Primarily, it's consistency. And so... Yeah. To go from opening night until all the way to the trade deadline, is he going to be consistent enough in his performance that he's going to have more value at the trade deadline? I, I'm, I don't think I don't think that's the case. Yeah, it, it probably isn't. I mean, given the given the track record for Jonathan Drouin, but you know, assuming that he is there by the time you know training camp begins. For me, with Jonathan Drouin, I mean, when Corey Perry signed, and, and you know, obviously talking about Corey Perry a little bit already, having signed in, in Tampa Bay, but when he signed just before the season started, you know, he came in and he talked about, I need to earn the opportunity. I'm not coming here to take anything. I'm here to earn something. When a team goes on the run that the Canadians went on, those guys that played, they, they earned the chance to start next season and start next season on the opening night roster and you know obviously whatever Jonathan Duran was dealing with um, you know that was the the thing that was most important for him to to get settled but when those guys then go on a Stanley Cup run and you know fall a few games short of a Stanley Cup those are the guys that need to be given the opportunities to start so for me I don't know that if Jonathan Duran's still around if he's I don't think he'd be on my lineup for opening night, but, but that, but that's just me. Um, so Rick, if the Canadians go this route, assuming as we've, we've come to the sort of consensus that they would continue with that top line that works so well, there's a lot of pieces there for the second line that you can work with. And I said that I probably have you Sperry cut centering that line, but where did the consensus lie on what that second line might look like? Yeah, I think as you go through, um, you have uh, Sam saying Kotkaniemi flanked by Hoffman and Anderson. Um, Amy had exactly the same thing. Brian had exactly the same thing. Um, it, it I and it was as I was playing with the the combinations. Uh, 
uh, Kotkaniemi with with Hoffman and Anderson um, are yeah I, I think that that plays out pretty well. Uh, one of my other combinations, um, I'd like to see Brendan Gallagher back with uh, uh, Kotkaniemi. I think they play, yes. played well, yeah. and maybe Hoffman on the other side. Uh, so there's a couple of options there for the Canadians. Yeah, and then when you get to, so yeah, that's that's the interesting part of that, because I think you have options there, given the fact that Anderson played well with Kotkaniemi, as did Brendan Gallagher. So there's mm-hmm. there's an option there that you could go back and forth. And, and that would presumably be what, what would happen when you get to the third line. And Jake Evans centering a third line sounds pretty nice, but who are going to be his wingers? What's left over? Brendan Gallagher. <laughs> yeah, I you know, there's there's some combinations with uh, Jake Evans uh, centering uh, Jonathan Duran and, and Josh Anderson. Um, that would be a, that would be an interesting uh, line. Um, my my favorite, and and I think it was Amy that had this, was uh, Evans uh, with Lekkonen and Gallagher. Um, yes, what a hardworking yep. line that's going to pressure uh, the daylights out of out of the opposition. I really like that line. Evans uh, Gallagher on the right side, Lekkonen on the left side. That's where I would go because you already have the chemistry between Arturi Lekkinen and Jake Evans that you know is there. You add Gallagher to that. And Gallagher, of course, we know. Uh, I think that that would be a line that would give other lines uh, some some fits. And, of course, Lekkinen also played with, with Gallagher for mm-hmm. a huge chunk of the playoffs, too. And yeah, they were on the ice for the goal that led to uh, the Canadians getting to the Stanley Cup final. So, yeah, that's that's an interesting lineup there. That That's an interesting line there, one that I would probably have. Uh, and then, then you get to the fourth line, Rick. And so you have a couple guys the Canadians recently signed and Yoel Armia. And uh, given the way that Armia performed on the fourth line, I mean, he provides you with some depth scoring and, of course, the play along the board. So what's left over here for the Canadians' fourth line? Well, I think in in almost every pair, uh, every combination line set of combination, uh, but one, uh, Armia is on the right side. Uh, that's yeah. that's kind of almost a given in in all of these um, uh, suggestions. And uh, but then it's really up for uh, you know up for grabs uh, beyond that. Uh, Cedric Paquette maybe has uh, is uh, the odds on favorite for centering that. Uh, that fourth line um, with uh, Perot on the left side. If Perot is able to take um, uh, face-offs, uh, we don't know about his his back issues. If he's able to uh, to uh, take face, that gives you another option um, mm-hmm. at uh, at the center position. Um, and uh, some some of the uh, arrangements. Some some would like to include. Uh, Ryan Paling in in uh, yeah. that grouping. Don't forget about him, um, and uh, he could either play the wing or uh, could be a, a center there as well. Um, he'll he had an excellent season in Lavelle, and and uh, look for him to to make a push there. Um, you know we've talked about Jesse Alonen, um, who has had a terrific season. Uh, probably not a, a, a the kind of player that you'd a much more offensive. Well, he's a two-way player, but uh, he has some offensive spark. Uh, I don't know if you'd place him on a fourth line. Uh, he he would certainly be available uh, if there was injuries uh, for a call up sometime during the year. 
but there there are some uh, there are some uh, quite a few options, I guess, for uh, the Canadians' fourth line here. Yeah, and I, I was, you know, before the signing of Cedric Paquette, I was of the mindset that if the Canadians, and it seemed likely that Philip Deneau was not going to be back, I would have liked to see, you know, because the way that Ryan Paling performed in Laval, I, I think that he is, he's got to prove it in camp, of course, and he's got to stay healthy, but I think that he's ready for a promotion to the NHL, yeah. and I know that would be an inexperienced group of four, uh, of centermen, but, I mean, we saw in the playoffs, Nick Suzuki and Jake Evans already have significant amount of trust from Dominic Ducharme. So you're not in a position where you have guys that aren't, you know, um, experienced or have the trust. So for me, I, I would have liked to have seen that. And maybe we still we still will. But, yeah, Cedric Paquette kind of gives the Canadians a more experienced option there. There is Perot, as you pointed out. There is even Jesse Alonen. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of options there for the Canadians up front. Um on the back end, Rick, is is where things get, you know, kind of interesting because you would assume that Jeff Petrie, Joel Edmondson are, are going to stay together. And I think that that might be the way that, that the Canadians end up going. But but where now that you have David Savard, where does he fit into all of this and how is everyone else affected by that? Yeah, this is this is where it gets really interesting because all right, uh, Edmondson um, uh, Petrie uh, as your as your top pairing. All right, that make that kind of makes sense. Uh, we talked about David Savard not necessarily being a top four defenseman anymore. Um, he looked good with Sergachev. Would he look equally good and comfortable with uh, an Alexander Romanov? Uh, that might be a, a really interesting way to go on the third yeah. pairing. But if you do that. Uh, then you have Ben Sherratt for your second pairing, and whom? Um, Chris Weideman, um, uh, Brett Kulak. Yeah, um, that gets uh, a little that gets a little odd. And and so is mm-hmm. it is it are the Canadians going to use um, Savard as a second pairing guy with Sherratt? Um, this this is this is where it gets difficult to put yeah. uh, together. Um, and, uh, again, you have a bit of a wild card in here, uh, with, uh, Matthias Norlander and, and, um, it, interesting that, um, Mark Bergevin mentioned his name. Oh, um, you know, we'll see what happens with when he was asked if he was done, if he was asked when he, you know, if, uh, there's any other holes to fill. He talked about, uh, having some internal solutions and one of the names he brought up was Matthias Norlander. Um, so how will he look at camp and how will he fit into the, uh, the puzzle? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, for me, I mean, Ben Chirot has played uh, very well alongside Shea Weber the last couple of years and they had a nice, you know, uh, pair, they were a nice pairing. They formed a nice bond, but you know, you, Shea Weber was, was casting a bit of a wide shadow to allow Ben Chirot to grow into that role. Right. So you're essentially now asking Ben Chirot with whoever he plays to kind of do the same thing and elevate whoever he plays with because Ben Chirot was the guy that was used most. You know, he had the highest ice time of uh, any Canadian skater in the playoffs. He was somebody they relied on um, tremendously. And obviously they relied on, on, on Shea Weber as well. They relied on the four Clydesdales. We know the story, but Ben Chirot got the most ice time. He was somebody used... In, in a lot of different capacities. And so 
that's basically, I mean, if you play him with David Savard, uh, I, I think that might be the route that they go. But I, I am a bit intrigued by David Savard with Alexander Romanov, I have to say. But it leaves that question mark that you addressed. Who's playing with Ben Sherratt? And at that point, he's tasked with elevating his partner in a way that I'm not sure that Ben Sherratt is capable of doing. He right. played really well with Shea Weber, but that is asking a lot of Ben Sherratt to try to do that. So I think... Rick, I, I think this leads us, right, to uh, – because we don't need to talk about goaltending. We know goaltending. <laughs> the Canadians are fine for goaltending. Yep. I think this leads us to a point where when we're looking at the line, the forward combinations, and the defensemen, right, there are still – there's still some question marks here. And and the Canadians have done some work along the sort of the fringes, and, and they've added, you know, Mike Hoffman, the goal scoring there. I think that that's a tremendous add for them, for a team that has – their MO has always been let's do things by committee. Adding another 25, 30 goal scorer to the fold, that won't go astray. But the work, you know, the the back end, I think, you know, it was never going to be a situation where you walked away completely, you know, thrilled with what it looked like without Shea Weber. But it, there's still some questions back there. And there's still questions up front, to be honest. And we've already asked, you know, sort of some of them. We've touched on some of them. But I think this is still a team, Rick, that, that might be a, an unfinished product. And, and that's just it. I think that uh, this exercise that we went through taught us. Uh, I had this feeling kind of when we went into this and when we asked uh, our team to, to, uh, to attempt this, it was they struggled. They, they, it was really tough. And I yeah. think that's because, uh, you know, putting together a roster is putting together a puzzle. And in this situation, you have that puzzle piece that looks like it almost fits, but you really have to hammer it on the table yeah. uh, to yeah. get it to go. And that's that's the Canadians' lineup. Uh, and and they're, you know, Mark Bergevin has um, maybe been been mildly successful filling holes, uh, but has he dealt with the shortcomings? And and does he have? Are there natural fits? I, I think the answer we have in going through this way too early exercise is no. Uh, he's th- this isn't a finished product. Um, there's some there's other moves that uh, are likely to be made. Do they involve Jonathan Drouin? Uh, do they involve Jesperi Kakinyemi? Um, mm-hmm. Do they involve in bringing in another piece on defense? Um, I think those are the kinds of of things we'll find out in the next month. But um, I, I don't, I'm not comfortable um, thinking that, that, that the Canadians have a finished product to uh, yeah. go into training camp. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's just, you know, there, there's parts of this team that look intriguing. And I mean, when we talk about it and go down the list individually, right, there's, there's combinations that are exciting that, you know, you get a little bit, um, you think about the past success that you like with uh, Lekkinen and, and Jake Evans and then Lekkinen and, and Gallagher. Like that's that's a combination that for a full season, that that's exciting to me. But, you know, it's 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 still a team that I think that there are a couple pieces away that there, there still needs to be an addition made here or there around the sort of the fringes of the roster and perhaps something I mean perhaps something significant either. I mean, like this just doesn't look like a team that's, that's a finished product. And, and yeah, I think that it, it doing this exercise paints the picture of a team that isn't quite there yet. There's a lot of nice pieces, but 
something about it. I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't mesh. <laughs> That's right. So Rick, uh, we'll see. We'll see what Mark Bergevin does. We'll see what the off season, what else uh, happens between now and the time training camp begins. And yeah, there's, there's still time for things to happen. So we'll see. Uh, Rick, we will take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And when we come back, we're going to get to some, some uh, emails, some, some, follow, uh, some feedback of our last episode, in addition to uh, some other things as well. So stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 148 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Uh, so, Rick, um, what's going on at AllHabs.net? What's going on with our, our, our content? We have two Habs fan forum videos a week now. It's it's tremendous. Ben and... Uh uh, and Amy are putting together two uh, Habs fan forums uh, per week, and you can find those on our uh, YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash allhabs. Uh, make sure that you watch them, that you like them, that you share them, and that you uh, leave us a comment uh, on, the, uh, on the YouTube videos. Um, we, have, um, we have all kinds of, as we talked about before, the, um, the uh, Habs headlines every day. We have our podcasts. Uh, we're not going anywhere in the, uh, in the short off season. We've got plenty of content to uh, 
keep you interested and engaged uh, with us. Uh, and I said to to check out uh, the Press Zone, uh, the Press Zone, our sister podcast, and talked about Joe Yurden and Russ Cohn. Great um, uh, broadcast from last week. And coming up this week, um, we have the parents of a Habs draftee from this past draft. What it's What's it like? Um, especially in the COVID age, to sit at home and and watch the draft and have that expectation that your son is going to be drafted. Uh, we'll have a delightful interview with uh, with uh, a couple of parents of one of our Habs draftees. So that's on the press zone. Comes out uh, this Tuesday. Absolutely. So that's definitely going to be an episode that you want to check out. As are all the other episodes of the Press Zone podcast. And uh, Rick, in Listen, addition to that, uh, sorry, yeah. I was just going to say um, we we've got uh, we've got other uh, things to to talk about in this uh, segment, but I just wanted to to acknowledge that uh, it was a busy week for all of us at at uh, Rocket Sports, but it was a, a tough week for for mm-hmm. you, and um, that uh, the passing of your your grandmother in February, and and then. Because of the pandemic, you weren't able to have a memorial service until this week, and and uh, yeah. that happened this week, and and tough for you to to get into the uh, to the grieving and and uh, and um, but uh, an opportunity to uh, to get together with your family and and share some uh, some fine memories. Absolutely, thank you, thank you, uh, Rick. Uh, but yeah, it was you know um, it, it was uh, is a difficult process, and uh, you know obviously. You know, having it happen right in the middle of uh, a surge in, in COVID cases in February here in Newfoundland, it was not, um, it's never ideal timing, but obviously that was uh, awful timing. And, uh, you know, uh, we had to wait until we could get family in from away and uh, and it ended up being this week. And uh, yeah, so it was, it was a, it was a tough process and, and certainly you could, you could feel that the, the grieving process wasn't going to be over until we had the service. And, and when I did, it was, it was good to, to get that sort of sense of closure on things, which was, you know, um, which is always nice. And it was great to, to get to share some, some, some memories of, uh, of my grandmother, which, you know, we all, all really needed to do. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, we um, a tough week for you, but we were yeah. uh, thinking about you and and uh, and supporting you and and um, um, yeah, glad that uh, that you were able to finally uh, get together as yeah. as a family. Thank you, I, I, I appreciate that, Rick. But uh, but so, Rick, uh, some some new things. We have a, a new intro for the show here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Did you know about the new intro? I did not know about. It. No one told me about it. No one told you. No. Well, you know, um, you do such a fine job every week. You mm-hmm. open the show after our intro music. You open the show, and then you introduce me. And you always mm-hmm. do a great job doing that. Yeah, I learned. I learned t- from Amy Johnson. You I, you talk about <laughs> uh, you know I wear many hats and and yeah. uh, it's it's always appreciated. It's always complimentary. But this was sent to me some time ago, and uh, and and just thought now that I have an opportunity. This was a suggestion rather than having you introduce me. This was the suggestion that we use this instead. Ladies and gentlemen, please, one of the great soul singers of our generation, Mr. Rick Stevens. Wow. Now that 
yes, I wear many hats, and 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 ah. maybe I like uh, soul and R and B music, and um, mm-hmm. and so it was suggested that uh, you know it be revealed my um, soul singing side that 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 should be your, included. Yeah, your true identity. <laughs> <laughs> the, so, the funny yeah. the funny thing is that uh, Rick Stevens was uh, a, a soul singer for uh, the group Tower of Power during. Uh, the draft, uh, of course, Owen Power was uh, one of his mm. nicknames. Was uh, yeah. Tower of Power, and my um, my nephew uh, said, um, "Oh, yeah, I dis- I discovered this Rick Stevens thing. Um, is this really you?" And then he went on to give the bio, and of course, Rick Stevens, who was a soul singer for mm-hmm. the uh, the powerhouse <laughs> group Tower of Power, uh, unfortunately, uh, in a drug-induced rage, uh, killed three people. Uh, oh, and, and ended up in prison for 36 years um, and and then came out and was rehabilitated and and uh, and then uh, died a few years ago but um, th- this uh, this whole thing um, that that's uh, th- that kind of came out over the last uh, several weeks um, <laughs> thought we'd we'd have a little, yeah. a little bit of fun and it was suggested by one of our listeners that uh, that be our new uh, uh, intro yeah, I, I think it. I think it fits well. <laughs> uh, so, so Rick, in addition to hearing that from one of our listeners, we've also gotten some feedback on uh, our conversation last week surrounding Logan Mayu. Boy, did we ever a ton of feedback, and we we th- we're grateful for all of it. Uh, re- people reaching out by email, info at allhabs.net. People reaching out to our text line five eight five three rocket, sending us uh, texts. Um, and of course, those uh, contacting us on on social media. Um, this this uh, this struck a chord. Obviously, uh, people were very emotional about it. Um, we were emotional, but we tried to uh, present it uh, in a present the facts. And um, I think from our our own team, um, um, there was there was comments from from Mike Mike Rashel and. And uh, and Brian, um, they talked about. Mike talked about how uh, the structure, the way we presented it, uh, we presented facts, kind of held our thoughts to the end. And and being such a sensitive topic, they felt that was the right way to handle it. Uh, the other thing we did was to make sure. I mean, draft day is is my favorite day on the the NHL calendar. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to present the the good news stories. So we first presented round the Canadians picks from rounds two through seven, uh, and then got into the, the controversy. Um, so, uh, that's, uh, Mike said, uh, the decision to profile every single pick before Logan was brilliant. It reiterated the foundation of what the draft should mean, making dreams come true. Um, all of that is, is what we wanted to uh, present, but not, you know, certainly not, um, ignore the story. Uh, from our um, from our our listeners, um, and I'm I'm going to leave names off of this. These um, some asked and and some did. I'm just going to leave uh, the names off. Um, I managed to catch your podcast about Mayu. I thought that you did a masterful job of presenting the facts, all of the facts, in a way that didn't come across as taking sides. 
another one, and this one uh, I'll just mention, it's from a, a, a female listener. I just finished listening to episode 147, and I have to say this. Thank you. It was obviously challenging to be objective, but I think you managed it well. Thank you for just for reporting just the facts. Thank you for your honest opinions of, on the selection. Thank you for Joanna's tweet. I think she nailed it. One of the uh, tweets that talked about making sure that um, that the, the, the language and the terminology is correct when, when talking about uh, the crimes. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. There should be more shows like yours. You did an excellent job of handling an emotionally charged, triggering subject with reason and professionalism. I could tell from your voices just how difficult that was. It had to have been exhausting. And it was, yeah, admittedly, yeah. it was it was tough and, and uh, because this is an issue that's, that's very emotional. So those, uh, some yeah. of the reactions that we had, if you have reactions, were, were on, on any of our coverage uh, beyond this, or if you just want to talk about an issue, or if you want, want to give in uh, your lineups, um, contact us on social media, contact us on our, our Rocket Sports text line, um, or contact us by email, info at allhabs.net. Absolutely. We're the Canadians Connection Podcast. We'd love to connect with our listeners. So please do interact with us on social media via the Rocket Sports text line, 5853Rocket, info at allhabs.net. Whichever way you choose, uh, please uh, interact and and uh, and connect with us. So, Rick, uh, we'll be back next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens. I mean, on the calendar, <laughs> you're probably waiting to see some RFA signings, some guys that the Canadians, some younger guys, perhaps some uh, parts of the uh, playoff run that that played a key role that's that's what's on the docket next for the Montreal Canadiens but who who knows what else is going to come up between now and next week when we'll be back with you discussing all things Montreal Canadiens so thank you for tuning in to the Canadiens Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadiens Connection visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens